Bloody Elbow presents the Level Change Podcast, the combat sports variety show that brings you analysis, fight announcements, and insightful discussion of MMA's biggest headlines. Paid Bloody Elbow Podcast Substack subscribers will hear bonus content, if available, at the end of the broadcast. Be sure to subscribe at bloodyelbow.substack.com for our newsletter and at bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com for our podcast network. Follow us on Twitter at Bloody Elbow, Facebook at facebook.com slash bloodyelbowblog, and as always, on bloodyelbow.com. Thanks for listening. Here are your hosts, Steffi Haynes and Victor Rodriguez. Cigar Page put together a great offering special for our readers. 60 G's, baby. The team at Bloody Elbow had some laughs thinking about those old school UFC fight bonuses and how far some of those early fighters have come. The 60 G's baby deal from Cigar Page is five 90 plus rated cigars and a travel humidor. This is a value of $90 that Cigar Page is offering Bloody Elbow readers for $25. While that cigar culture is alive and well in the MMA community, it may not be your thing. And it also makes an awesome gift for the holidays. You can grab this deal today at cigarpage.com slash 60 G's baby. That's cigarpage.com 60 G's baby. Welcome back and thank you for listening to episode 273 of the Level Change podcast. I'm Steffi Haynes and I'm joined as always by my amazing co-host Victor Rodriguez. And today... We have a special treat for you guys. Mookie Alexander, our beloved brother who has gone over to SB Nation to the Field Goals website. He is back with us today to break down the last pay-per-view of the year, the last card of the year. And it's a damn good one. Mookie, I'm going to welcome you first because it's been a long time since you've been with us, since before the summer. Yes, Steffi. I I haven't been back since uh, what was it, July, which would have been the um, that's right, Volkanovski versus Yair Rodriguez card, right? Yep. Yeah, and I missed that show because I was at the U.S. Track and Field Championship, so I ended up catching it after the fact live. But I did get to see the Robbie Lawler knockout of Nico Price when I got back to my hotel room, and that was that's still one of my favorite moments of the year. I mean, that that was just so awesome to watch. So, how unlike UFC 290, I will be watching this card live because it is just too good to pass up. I have definitely missed a lot of fight nights and some lesser shows where it's just whatever. I'm not obligated to do that stuff anymore. But 296 is just the UFC at its best, where every fight has got some intrigue from the opening prelim all the way to the main event. Like this, to me, is is the pinnacle of a UFC show. Absolutely. Victor, how the hell are you? How the hell am I? I'm thrilled. Look who we got back. The Julio Iglesias of Combat Sports Podcasting has graced us with his presence. He has returned. I'm always happy to have this dude back. I'm always happy to hear his thoughts. I'm thrilled to see him thriving out there in the world. This is great, dude. I'm always... Listen, this this right here has got me feeling great. We got a great fight card to break down as well. I, you know, I, it's it takes the sting out of all the awfulness that we usually cover. So I, I think I can say safely, we're in a great place. Absolutely. Now, last week we did we all picked the same and we did fairly well. We did we went 3 and 2 because 
you know, uh, Park beat Muniz and uh, Tim Elliott beat Sumanerji. But we got Song right, we got Roundtree right, and we got Tyra right. So, the standings. <laughs> wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Muniz beat uh, Park, didn't he? No, he So we not. should be 4-1 and one then. No, he didn't beat him. Uh, oh, I'm got sorry. A, a, he did? Yes, yes, he did. I mean, we I'm all sure lost. Anybody, anybody who right. watched that fight lost. That's right. That's right. It, oh was, my God, it, was, yeah. so, it was so forget it was a poor fight on, on what was an entertaining, mostly entertaining made car. But uh, Muniz got the win. But uh, I think his have. stock has completely fallen off now. Yeah. And he shouldn't have. That, that's, that scoring was wild. So... I don't know. Yeah, maybe that's maybe that's what got us both thinking this this crazy Mandela effect. Like, no, no, no. He, he, he yeah, he did win. <laughs> wow. So I have to fix the scoring. That's right how now. fucking hard that fight was. Good God. <laughs> it, it was befitting of middleweights. Oh yes. When, when y'all when y'all hear how fucking how fucking far behind I am, it's ridiculous. <laughs> I hate myself right now. I don't know what oh, happened. No. But how, over how bad on could Bloody be? Elbow, because I'm able to pick more, I, I'm doing very well, even though I missed an entire card and I'm down 15 picks. I'm still tied for fifth with Kristen. Down 15 oh, wow. picks because I skipped a card that had 15 fights on it. I thought I had filled out the thing and I didn't. And here we sit. But... Mookie, you are in the lead. 119, 70, and 2. Victor is behind you. 110, 83, and... Oh, wait. Why do I... Oh, yeah. 110, 83, and 2. And I am 10... Uh, I'm way back behind at 107, 85, and 2. So, Yeah. How about that's that? That's not too bad. You you save you save your best to to beat more than half of the the current bloody elbow staff. In fact, you're 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 boat racing Victor in the real in, in the whole staff leaderboard. So that's right. That's that's, that's the right. trade off. That's right. <laughs> so what we're gonna do today, because we have Mookie here, is we're gonna go through this entire card because it's a damn good card, as Mookie mentioned, and. You know what? We have him here. We're going to use and abuse him because he's a very, very good analyst. So without further ado, let's take a look at UFC 296 and the curtain jerker. Randy Brown versus Muslim Solikov at welterweight. What a fight to open the card. That's gangbusters. Mookie, take it away. Yeah, I'm really torn on this one because Salikov didn't look great against Nicholas Dalby. I remember him tearing up Andre Fialio, but Fialio kind of invites getting beaten up. So uh, Randy Brown, man, he, he's hard to figure out because it, his his losses are not that bad. The Nico Price one, was that the one where he got... Yes, um, he got knocked it, it, out from the bottom. I mean, knocked out from he the was with laying the on fist, top, right? yeah, and and he got knocked out from the guy on the bottom. It was, you know, obviously Nico Price, but yeah, he got he slumped over right there. Yeah, so you, in fact, other than Nico Price randomness, and then the the his his uh, loss to Michael Gray's, he's generally been a consistent fighter. I mean, his his other defeats are Bilal Muhammad, who should be fighting this Saturday for the title, but you know, <laughs> uh, Vicente Luque. And this is Vicente at his best. And then Jack De La Maddalena 
is a legit title contender in the making as far as I'm concerned. So I think that Brown is going to be savvy enough to deal with Salikov striking. And I think he's the better athlete. I trust his, his gas tank to hold up over three rounds. I'm going to go with the uh, rude boy to get the win. I think this will be a good fight. Victor, what do you think? Well, I certainly agree that this won't disappoint. Uh, I'm curious to see how Salikov is able to, you know, get his game going with his range primarily and his ability to mix things up. But then Randy Brown can still not just grapple, but he's just he seems like the more complete guy, right? He's got power in his hands. He's able to work those body kicks too. He's pretty savvy with some of his defense. He's just unfortunately made a few mistakes that have been rather costly in some of these bouts and I mean, you can't really blame him for some of the losses that he suffered. You know, the Bilal Muhammad uh, loss that we've mentioned, Nico Price as well, Luke Gay. Like, he's not losing to scrubs. He's not at any risk of losing to anybody that's it, this this sort of um, thing where you think, well, maybe this dude's already plateaued. Maybe he's already hit his peak. I'm not really sure. I don't think he has. And so I think that I'd have to agree with Mookie on this one. I'm going to go with Randy Brown. I am as well. Um the the loss to Li Jingliang and then coming off the loss to Dalby, he didn't look good. Um, Mookie is absolutely right on that. So I'm also going to take Randy Brown in this. So we are unanimous on that one. Next up, we have Shamil Gaziev taking on Martin Boudet at heavyweight. <laughs> Mookie, yeah. let's start with just, 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 just when I thought I could escape a heavyweight fight prediction. <laughs> Um, <laughs> but we do yeah. have an undefeated guy in here in Shamil Gaziev. Yes, it feels like there are like multiple Shamil Gaziev's in <laughs> MMA, but I, you know, the, all the names just just are are a big blur to me these days. <laughs> yeah. I feel like Shamil Gaziev is like a PFL lightweight, but what, whatever the case, he is in indeed a heavyweight, unbeaten. Uh, Bude, I mean, he took care of Josh Parisian, took care of Jake Collier. He, he he's. He he looks like he could stick around for a while on the USC roster, and both came off of contender series, I believe. Yeah. So there's your contender series versus contender series situation. Although, of course, if you just as much as have a 98.6 degree body temperature, you are getting a contract <laughs> to a contender series these days. Um, I, I'm going to go with Boudet. Uh, I think he'll be able to um, win this on the mat. Victor. I don't trust Boudet. Look at the wins that he's had so far. Contender series, a, a, a knockout against Lorenzo Hood. Um, you know, fine, I guess. A technical decision against Chris Barnett in a very not great fight. Didn't really see much that impressed anything. And any that, that I don't think anybody was impressed by that. Then wins against Lucas Brzezewski, who I don't even remember being in the UFC. And then, of course, chunky Jake Collier and Josh Parisian. Neither one of those guys are setting the world on fire. I'm sorry, man. I don't nothing against them. I just can't trust them. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Shamil because why the hell not? I am gonna go with Martin Boudet because I don't know anything about the people that Shamil has fought. You know, everything was in in Brave, in mm -hmm. uh, Aries. There's one here from Pro FC. There's but those those are good organizations to be in though. Like uh, okay, um, but we also have AMC, 
MMA series, BFC MMA series. I mean, there's a lot of organizations here that I know nothing about. I, I just have to go with the, the known quantity in, in Martin Boudet because I don't know enough about Gaziev to make an informed decision. So I'm going to st- stick with Mookie's choice here and go with Martin Boudet. Now we get to Lucas Almeida taking on Andre Feely. And as I look at this, I am stunned that Feely has 10 losses. 22 fights, 10 losses. You mean 22 wins? I mean, excuse me, 22 wins. I'm sorry. Um, I'm just over here trying to put him in the trough. (laughs) But Mm -hmm. uh, I didn't realize that he's already at the point where he's in double-digit losses. So... That just struck me. But anyways, Victor, I'm going to start with you on this one. So how do you see Andre Feely and Lucas Almeida? Uh, I don't know that I really trust Feely, man. He's a very um, – he's he's had these moments where he had that uh, a, a nice surge to get in and, and sort of do well early on in his career. And obviously he had the early losses to, you know, Max Holloway and Golofredo Pepe. There's a name for your ass right there. But ever since then, it's been ups, downs, ups, downs. And I I don't know where he's at right now. I don't know if this is the caliber of guy that he would lose to because Almeida's actually pretty good. But Almeida's another guy that doesn't seem to have much more upside than another few wins. And you know what, man? I think maybe I'm going to go with Feely, and I think it's more of a bias for having seen more from him. But Almeida's got the talent and and the ability to probably ruin this for him anyway. So, I mean, hey, what have I got to lose, right? I'm going to go with Feely because why not? Mookie. Well, this is just a typical Andre Feely win-lose, win-lose pattern, isn't isn't it? I mean, he just lost his last fight, but that was a really good fight with Nathaniel Wood. Yes. I mean, that that was that really could have gone either way. But from what I recall, because this was one of the few cards that I did pay attention to live, Feely kind of gave away the third round by not being aggressive enough. So, you know, Feely can be – he's consistently inconsistent, yeah. which is to say – and not only is he consistently inconsistent, sometimes he's inconsistent within the round. Um uh, Almeida, of course, is is a guy who's got 100% finish record. I mean, that Mike Trezano fight was pretty impressive. Um, Pat Sabatini pretty much ground him into dust, though, and, and, and choked him out. I don't think Feely's that type. He, he's not as, as physical, but um, Feely's just a well-rounded fighter, jack-of-all-trades, master of none, but he's definitely not washed up. He's 33, which is not young for featherweight, but I, from what I've seen of the Algeo fights and how we looked against Nathaniel Wood, I believe he's got enough in the tank to... Uh, beats Almeida but if he loses he's probably getting stopped because he he's not been invincible he, he's not been an easy guy to put away historically um but the way that Joe Anderson Brito ran him over last year does give me some pause when you're facing a guy who's got a prolific finishing record as Almeida but I'm going to go with touchy feely to win this one and then pizza's all around for everybody hey. in celebration <laughs> I'm not uh, the reason why is as I'm sitting here looking at his record and noting that in almost four years, he only has two wins. Yeah, I can't do it. And he broke his chin, his trend of, you know, win one, lose one when he lost back to back to Bryce Mitchell and Joe Anderson Brito. Then he lost a grappling match as well. Right after that, he came back and he beat Bill Algeo and then he immediately loses to Nathaniel Wood. I know Lucas Almeida did not look good in that Pat Sabatini fight, but he's 
I just uh, yeah, it's Pat Sabatini. Exactly. Like. And he's only got two losses and Pat was one of them. I, I don't know. I just feel like we're watching the gradual, you know, we always say this, Mookie, you and I used to say this all the time. You There's two ways that a guy falls off. He either immediately goes face first into the cliff and falls down into the into the ravine, or it's a really gradual, you know, he's trotting his way down down the mountain. And that is what is happening with Feely, in my opinion. I can't pick him, so I'm going to go with Lucas Almeida. All right, so next up we have, one second, we have Tagir Ullenbeckoff taking on Cody Durden at 125. That's a sneaky good fight, right? Mookie, mm-hmm. I'll start with you. Could be a real scramble-heavy fight, too. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, just the way that uh, Tagir fights, and especially the way Durden fights. Mm-hmm. Now, from what I recall of Durden, not the most popular fighter in the world with some, is, some of uh, the things he said in post-fight interviews before, but no denying he, he's a talented fighter in a really, really good weight class. Um, I'd say Tagir is a bit of a step up in competition compared to the guys he's generally been beating on his win streak. But uh, I think he is capable of, of getting a W here. Uh, th- this, this really could go either way. I'm going to lean toward uh, dirt and getting the W. But it, uh, this could be a sneaky uh, crowd pleaser in terms of uh, just grappling, getting the crowd excited, which is not the easiest thing to do, especially not for a Vegas crowd. Victor. You know what? I'm going to go with Ulambekov. I think he might pull off some kind of sneaky submission or something here, but I don't, you know, against my better judgment, obviously, because Durden does have that control and we know the control can be a massive, massive factor more than anything else in a fight with these you know, guys that have this particular style. Um, so, yeah, I, I know it's uh, probably a bit reckless, but of course, that's that's kind of my brand. So I'm going to go with Ulambekov. I'm going to go with Durden. Durden has turned out to be a lot better than anybody gave him credit for. And I think that boils down to what Mookie was saying because we were focused on what a shitty person he is because that is also a thing. You know, the two can exist in the same space. And unfortunately, that's where we're at. We've got a shitty person who's really good. And I I know Ulenbekov is is pretty damn good, too. But I think Cody Durden is trending upward. He is about to reach his prime pinnacle. Um, I got to go with him. He's he's on a roll. He's like a juggernaut right now. And every time I pick against him, which has been every time, he proves me wrong. So um, this is the very first time I've ever picked him. And I'm going to pick him here. All right. Next up. At 205 pounds, we have Alonzo Minifield versus Dustin Jacoby. Mookie. Yeah, I think Jacoby's striking is going to be too much for Minifield. I mean, Minifield's just just a guy you can't trust consistently mm-hmm. whatsoever. Um, by the way, Ulamikov is actually a slight favorite, uh, as I understand it. So it's not even a reckless pick on your part, Victor. Oh. But Jacoby is a, a pretty sizable favorite against Menafield, and I see no reason to believe otherwise. Like J- Jacoby, especially the fact that Jacoby gets off to fast starts, yeah. um, I, I think that Menafield is just going to get um, beaten up. Mm. Yeah, I got to agree there. I mean, that's the thing with with um, thing with Menafield is sure he 
could work some clinch work and all, but you got to get inside. And Jacoby, if he can keep you on the outside, if he can pressure you with that and deny the entries and then start sort of making his game uh, something that he can impose, then sure, he's certainly going to be able to get a, a, a much bigger advantage early. And then if the finish happens to come his way, then he'll go for it. But other than that, he's a more patient and more experienced guy. And I, I have to go with him. I agree 100%. There's no need for me to add anything to it. I am also taking Jacoby. Next up, we have a great flyweight women's fight between Casey O'Neill and Ariane Lipsky. Mm. I'm going to start with you, Victor. I love, love, love Lipsky. Have loved her since she started in KSW, or at least that's when she first came up on my radar. Can I trust her? Yes. I don't I don't know that I can, man. And not against I mean that's the thing cuz Casey O'Neill uh, no no disrespect to her, but she's kind of, you know, she's she has a, a respectable record at 9 and 1. I guess maybe I just thought that she would have progressed a little further along than she has. But look, she's got some okay wins. Um, none of them have been against particularly great opposition. Antonina Shevchenko, Roxanne Modafferi in her later days, and then put to the test against Jennifer Maya, didn't go great. So, yeah, this is it's good that they're kind of taking a step back with her here. And I also believe that she can confidently win this one. So, um, yeah, Casey O'Neill on this. Wow. Okay. How about you, Mookie? Hmm. It felt like Lipsky's career, especially given all the hype from her KSW days, her hype just fizzled out with the way she started her career mm-hmm. because she dropped the back-to-back to Joanne Wood and then Molly McCann and then just when it looked like she picked up some steam. I remember that Luana Carolina knee bar was something nasty. Mm-hmm. But then she, you dropped consecutive to Shevchenko and De La Rosa, and then I'm never going to believe Priscilla Cachuera is any good and that has like a bad loss in 65 seconds, but she... Took care of uh, J.J. Aldrich. She squeaked by Melissa Gatto. I remember Casey O'Neill being kind of that next crop of potential flyweight contenders, mm-hmm. but she's not been active. She has not been active. She's fought just once this year, and then, as you mentioned, she lost to Jennifer Maya. was pretty clear. And then after the Mata Ferry fight, the reason she was inactive is after the Mata Ferry when she tore her ACL. That's right. So I am wondering a bit if it's going to take her a, a, a fair, fair while to, to really return to her potential. And I think she's kind of fallen behind, say, Aaron Blanchfield, for example, at, at the top of the division. And I think Blanchfield's really got that opportunity to be a, a future champion down the line. It's just a more exciting division now that Shevchenko's vulnerable and not the champion anymore. I'm going to go with Lipsky. I don't feel great about it because Lipsky has just not ever shown the consistency for, for, for me to be comfortable picking her to win. But I, I'm the way that O'Neill looked against Maya has has me wondering if she's really all that cracked up uh, as a future champion. I think Lipsky's going to get her third straight win here. I am also taking Lipsky. I've never been on the O'Neill train because, uh, as Mookie mentioned, her win over Roxanne was really late in Roxanne's career. Um, her, her three biggest wins are Shauna Dobson, Roxanne, and uh, who was the other one? Um... Oh, crap. Let me open it up here. Um, Antonina. Yeah, the the other ship, the worship Shevchenko. So so those are her three (laughs) biggest names. Um, And all three of the, I mean, Antonina is terrible. Shauna Dobson is terrible. 
And Roxanne Modafferi was on the very, very end of her career because that was 2022. I think that might have been Roxanne's last fight. I think so, yeah. And then she comes up against Jennifer Maya, who's kind of a middling fighter herself, and she gets stomped. So I am with Mookie here. I'm going to take Ariane Lipsky, who no matter how, she's on a two-fight win streak. So at least confidence is in her favor. So I, I think I'm going to go with Lipsky as well. I, I You know, O'Neal could absolutely win this, but I don't have much faith in her. So, all right. Now we're going to get to Mookie's favorite fight on the card because he just loves seeing Cody Garbrandt fight. <laughs> Sorry, Mookie, I couldn't resist. Uh, if ever we watch fights through our fingers cringing it is cody garbrandt and so that is why i said this because every time we broke down a cody garbrandt fight because he's been losing that long i feel like mookie's making his pick through his fingers so mookie take it away <laughs> i mean the last time we saw garbrandt it was against um trevin jones who's i believe not on the ufc roster anymore right. and he was clearly winning that fight and managed to get rocked kind of stupidly in the last minute. Mm -hmm. And it's just that Jones is just not very good, and, and Garbrandt was able to hang on and win a decision. Um, now, Kelleher is not a dude who gets a lot of knockdowns. He's not a powerless puncher. I mean, he, he stopped Hunter Azure with some heavy shots, but that's not really his game. It's not his game to, to just stand and trade. And the, the good news for, for Kelleher is that he's also not a guy who gets knocked out very often. I mean, it's just... The god himself, John Lineker, is the only one to to stop him with strikes, and that's five years ago. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so you know Kelleher's not looked great, but consider one of those losses is is Umar Nurmagomedov, and that's just a nightmare matchup for him. He he gets submitted quite a bit, but Cody Garbrandt just is not. I, I don't recall Garbrandt ever attempting a submission in his UFC career, and I'm not pulling up fight metric for this one. So this is one where. Kelleher is probably going to have a hard time taking down Garbrandt, and he may have a hard time finding his range to land the shot that would hurt Garbrandt. The very, very hurtable Cody Garbrandt, but I think Cody will just be able to outbox Kelleher and get a decision win. Not a TKO, but a decision win. It's going to be a fight that, of course, you're going to have to watch with, with one eye open and one eye closed because the way Garbrandt fights there is that ever-present danger mm -hmm. where he's going to run into the same shot that he's been hit by like 500 times before. Um, I'm just amused that, you know, they booked this fight. But remember when they tried to book Garbrandt against Ronnie Yaya like twice or three mm -hmm. times and it kept getting canceled? Mm -hmm. They had to go to the absolute bottom. Let's pick the least powerful puncher on the entire UFC roster as a means. This is like a, a knockout proof matchup for Cody Garbrandt. I, I kind of wish we had, we had seen that fight. For sure. Victor. Uh, I, <laughs> what does Garbrandt have left? I don't know, man. I don't. I don't like seeing this. The, the decline that this guy had. Uh, Kelleher, he's got hustle, and you know he might not have the power to put him out, but he might have the power to at least you know make him respect his stance, and and hold his ground through it. You know, I, I don't think that that's the most likely thing, considering the fact that he's now losing two straight. So I 
do want to see how well he handles that. I like the guy. He seems affable and he smokes a lot of weed, but I just don't think that that's going to help unless you're talking about healing after the fight in which me and him got to talk. But no, uh, I I, kind of feel like maybe I should get reckless on this too and pick Kelleher, but I don't know that I should. Like, Which of these two guys do I trust the least? Now, unfortunately, I'm in the position where I guess I have to trust Garbrandt, so I'm going to pick Garbrandt. I think we all are. It's hard to pick Kelleher because he has zero power, so I don't think we're going to see a knockout here. And if it comes down to just striking, well, Cody's got that in the bag. Mm. So we're all in agreement on that one. Now we get to a really nice fight here. Irina Aldana taking on Carl Hosa. Ooh, two strikers right there. I, You know what? I'm going to lead this really fast. I'm taking Carl Hosa because I think she hits harder. Bing, bang, boom. Mookie, take it away. She, it, this is really dependent on how Aldana is from a mental standpoint at this point of her career because that Nunes fight was atrocious. I mean, she, yeah. she put in a really poor effort. And, I mean, the, the good thing was that we got to see Nunes retire on a high note. And and hopefully she stays retired and, and cements her status as, as the, the, the greatest of all time for, for women's MMA. But that was the worst I've ever seen Aldana look. And she looked bad in the Holly Holm fight, too. Mm-hmm. But this was worse. Because if, if, if Nunes was really at her absolute best, she would have stopped Aldana. No doubt in my mind. But... If this is a striker's matchup, even though Hosha's got some power to her game, she doesn't get a lot of knockouts, whereas Aldana, she's more likely to get that sudden fight-changing moment. But, boy, that, that, that Nunes fight was worse because it was almost like she was mentally defeated a couple rounds in. I think that Hosha is obviously not Amanda Nunes, and we should get an entertaining fight as a result. But I believe that Aldana will be able to get... A decision win here, and I wouldn't sleep on her ground game either. Well, her her submission game off of her back because we've seen some issues with her defending takedowns before. But I don't think that'll be too much of a factor in this one. I got to go with Aldana, but it's another good matchup on on a card just chock full of them. Especially for women's bantamweight, you know there are very few fights that you can Mm. make that are worth their salt. This is one of them. Man, that division is fucking struggling. Good Mm -hmm. God. Yeah, I'm going to go with Aldana, man. I I just, I have to. We're looking at somebody uh, that has better combinations and better instincts when it comes to counters, who's able to keep their composure a little better when they get flustered. Yeah, okay, she lost horribly against Amanda Nunes, but this is final form, Amanda Nunes. You know what I mean? Like, you can't really argue with that's a great loss to have in the sense that you didn't lose to a scrub. You lost to the greatest of all time at the height of her power. So that is a very, very different thing from what we're going to see here. And Carol, yeah, she does hit hard and she is someone that fights pretty smart, but she just doesn't seem to have the same uh, timing and defensive instincts. And that I feel is what's going to cost her. So I'm going to go with Aldana. All right. Next up, Mookie's going to love this one. Josh Emmett versus Bryce Mitchell. Oh, boy. Ooh, let the conspiracy theories flow with force from one half of this fight. Um, <laughs> man, I, I I love watching Josh Emmett fights, but the um, the, the, the Taporia fight 
that could have been stopped many times over. It's a testament to his toughness that he didn't get stopped, but somebody had to look out for him. He, he was taking way too many shots. And even in the Yair Rodriguez fight, he had a good start. He dropped Yair from what I recall. And then in the second round, the body shots wore him down. He, he, he got hurt and then he got choked out. So I feel like Emmett not being a spring chicken, he's, he's going to be 39 in a couple of months. I, I just wonder how much he truly has left in the tank. I tell you what, if this was Emmett against Giga Chikadze, I probably wouldn't would have picked Chikadze without hesitation because Chikadze would just be too slick for Emmett. Emmett, for all of his punching power, is a pretty basic striker. Now, Mitchell, not the best striker in the world. And I, I'm really curious to see what happens if he doesn't get the takedowns against Josh Emmett. If he doesn't, then this becomes a more interesting fight. But if he does, then I think Mitchell's just going to be too strong on the mat for, for, for Emmett to uh, really be able to do much anything. So I'm going to pick Bryce Mitchell here. It's a good good short notice to play. So to tell you what, that shows you again how good this card is, that you can have Chikadze pull out of this fight and you end up with, with Bryce Mitchell in there anyway. Yeah, very, very good. The division is deep as shit, though, so. Victor. I'm going to... I'm going to disagree. I'm going to go with Emmett. I think his takedown defense is good and solid. I think his uh, his biggest concern is going to be with Mitchell's chain grappling. Okay, it's not going to be so much getting him down, but what happens when he gets there? Can Mitchell keep him in that situation? That's where I'm really worried about this because getting him there going to be really tough. The moment he does, especially if he's working a trip takedown or something from the clinch, that's going to be another bag of cats. And I think really the the Emmett is uh, he he does suffer from that sometimes. Where he kind of lets the other guy lead the dance, you know. If he's able to kind of start working his jab early and sort of keeping Bryce at bay and making him respect that distance, then sure he's going to have a much easier time. But Bryce is not going to give him the opportunity just for free. He's going to have to fight for it. They're both going to have to really wring out that sponge to get the win, either guy. So um, I'm going to go with Emmett, frankly. I, I think that it's not just going to be the power. It's going to be the savvy. I think he doesn't get enough credit for having some of that uh, veteran experience and, and some pretty good fight IQ a lot of the time. Not always. Sometimes he's got some really bad fight matchups, and that's going to happen regardless. But, um, yeah, I, I think it's going to be that. I think I'm going to go with Josh Emmett. All right. I'm going to go with Bryce Mitchell. I just think that Josh Emmett is hurtling towards the bottom of the mountain now. He started out gradual, but I feel like he's in free fall now. So, yeah, I'm going to go with Bryce Mitchell. Then we get to a great welterweight fight here. Ian Machado Gary versus Vicente Luque. Victor, I'll start with you. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. You know what? I want to pick Luke, but I just think that Ian, he's not just a great athlete. He's just a guy who he's putting everything together really, really well. He's got that composure better than you'd expect in that regard. Ah, shit. You know what? No, I'm, I'm crumpling up the paper. I'm tossing it out the window. You know what? I'm going to go with Luke. No logic, no facts. Just go with that. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, Mookie, I'm Quick taking question. Gary. <laughs> you're, you're taking Gary. I am. Can someone I, I, fill me in? <laughs> can someone fill me in over what it is with Gary and his his wife 
that that is that MMA kind of all, all all in a tizzy. Okay. Oh, easy. They she, they fucking hate women. Yeah, she's forty and he's twenty seven. And about ten years ago, she wrote like a pamphlet. It's literally eighteen pages long, called "How to Be a Wag," and it was tongue in cheek. It was meant to be funny. It was well before she ever met up with with Ian Gary, and. That they're freaking out on it, saying that she targeted him for his wealth. I mean, what kind of wealth <laughs> does Ian Gary have? She's probably got more money than he does. And also, apparently, her ex-husband is a nutrition coach and, you know, helps him with his nutrition stuff. Sounds like they have a very grown-up adult relationship, um, marriage, whatever, oh. what what have you. They, they're not bothering anybody with their relationship, but everybody seems really concerned. Uh, in the MMA community, you can't have that. Happiness? Adult relationships? No, uh Men and women? No, ma'am. So you, th- This site has Bloody Elbows done a phenomenal job releasing the payouts of I- even mid-card fighters over the last several weeks. It is really, really, really hard to go after a UFC fighter's money. Yes. <laughs> Especially if yes. you work in in high level media like her and have access to other higher level athletes like her, so you know, I mean, I'm just saying she could have aimed a lot higher if that were the case. Yes, but, you know, especially, who cares about context? You know, especially with what she looks like, she is a diamond, a complete smoke show. She oh, yes. doesn't look her age. I mean, she is just drop dead gorgeous. So, mm-hmm. you know. Come on, she could have had anybody she wanted. She fell in love with Ian. That's what happened. They have a little girl. I, I believe it's a little girl. And any event, and then they have an infant child together. So and only way also, she could have done worse is if she ended up with me, and I would have been quite content with that. And also, <laughs> they they're not thrilled with the fact that he adopted her name as part of his name. They hate that. Yeah, which I mean, do they have that same smoke for Jack White? I don't think they do. Right. All right, so now that I'm caught up on on TMZ UFC, there, <laughs> I, I'm I'm gonna go with um, Gary. I mean, Gary is six foot three, and I feel like Luke is gonna have a hard time dealing with that height and reach because Gary is not just six three and and big for the weight class. He's a smooth striker. Yeah, he, he's smooth. He's got good speed on him. Uh, Luke is always gonna be a gamer. He he is really hard to to put away, which is why the Jeff Neal fight was so impressive, and also had me concerned about. Didn't he have a brain bleed after that? Yes. Oh, shit. And then it took him a year before the Dos Anjos fight. And even in the Dos Anjos fight, that was a good fight. But it felt like this is not Luque at his absolute best. No. And he's also fighting a lightweight. And speaking of, I've, I've just seen in my timeline here that Dos Anjos is going to go back to 155 to fight Mateo Scamrot. Oh, God. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Like, I hope they gave him a lot of money for that. Yeah. Pick, pick a weight class RDA. Yeah. <laughs> please and you're almost 40 like uh, that's that's just not a good matchup for him at this stage of his career but anyway i'm going to lean towards gary to to get a decision win over luke but i would not be shocked if he stopped him luke is still going to be a danger especially that darts choke of his which i love and his 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 heavy hands and his ability to be a very striker but i think gary is just going to be too quick too sharp and it's going to be a, a a clear win for for machado there all right. I, I'm also going with Ian Gary. I, I can't go with Luque. At this point, I feel like he is also in a he's not in free fall, but he's definitely picking up speed on his way down the mountain. So 
definitely Ian Machado Gary. Now yeah. we get to the fight that I've had so much trouble with. I literally am torn to shreds over this one. Tony Ferguson versus Patty Pimlet. Tony oh, should be able to beat Patty. He should, but I can't trust him. I can't trust the guy uh, that he's training with, the Navy SEAL guy. I mean, what the fuck, Tony? I'm going to pick Tony. I'm going to lead the picks today on this one, but I'm going to pick Tony. I don't have a lot of rhyme or reason with it other than he should be able to to beat Patty. Patty's also got this long layoff. I don't know. I just, yeah, I got to pick Tony here. I I just can't bring myself to pick Patty. Mookie, who you got? Tony Ferguson, you have the chance to do the funniest thing ever. Yes. <laughs> because this is all about the odds are this wide entirely because of how Tony Ferguson has looked. Like, okay, he's on a six-fight losing streak, but he's lost to Gaethje, Oliveira, yes. Darius, Chandler. Those are four outstanding fighters at that 155. And then Nate Diaz was kind of a cobbled-together fight because that wasn't the plan the week of the fight. And then the Bobby Green fight, he got choked unconscious. Um, so for me, it's less of Ferguson's losing to these top guys and more of Ferguson doesn't look good at all. Mm. And that's what's, what's concerning to me is that he really didn't look good against Nate Diaz. And then he looked worse against Bobby Green. That was almost like a mercy choke, even though he got you know put to sleep at, in the final seconds there. He just was slower. His reaction time is, is worrisome. So this is everything to, to do with, is Ferguson completely shot to not? Is Patty Pimblet any good? Because I'm pretty sure Pat, Patty is not that good. And he sure as shit didn't win that Jared Gordon fight, which no, is the last time we've not. seen him compete. So I, I'm going to go with Pimblet to win and make us all sad. But I wouldn't be shocked if if... if Ferguson just found something, one last thing left in the tank, and that would no doubt have Dana in shambles because they've been trying to push Patty, and it that Gordon fight should have been a, a reality check as far as how good he actually is. So I, I'm going to pick Patty, but again, I'm going to pull for Tony, whether he's being trained by David Goggins or Walton Goggins, it doesn't matter to me. <laughs> you uh, brought it, up Walton Goggins. I tell you what, if, if, he gets, if he gets absolutely smushed here, retirement has to be the, the the only thing no bare knuckle no anything else he's got to stop fighting if he just gets blown out in this one too you know you just changed my mind for me because i was not looking at it from the uh angle you are in just how devolved is tony ferguson i was looking at it more from the angle of just how shitty patty pimlet looked in that jared gordon fight but now that you've reopened my eyes to the fact that tony is just free fall right there that's your classic example of free fall he hit the he hit the canyon face first and just fell right over no he's, gradualness at all with it none he's he's homer simpson in the gurney yeah just so, falling off that cliff and hitting everything on the way down yep so i yeah i am changing my pick to pimlet victor we need to hear from you sir you know, I'd actually be more comfortable if Tony were training with Walton Goggins Me and not too. David Goggins. And, and I, you know, I almost wrote a thing on this. I don't understand where in this day and age a guy like Tony Ferguson looks at everything out there and says, you know what I need? A guy who just curses a lot like a kid who discovered profanity in fifth grade and really just wants to th- insert it everywhere. This Goggins guy is so fucking annoying. And nothing that we're seeing here running ultra marathons, for example. How is this going to help Tony? against a guy who's a submission grappler. How is this going to improve his cardio? Running cardio is not the same as grappling cardio. Ask me how I fucking know. Okay, it's not. There's just no... 
there are differences to this. And if you look at Tony, his knees have been spent. His reactions are slower. His striking isn't the same. I, what what are we doing here? What is this fight even set to accomplish? Does this have to happen? Do we need Tony to fight this guy? And then you look on the opposite end of the coin. You got Patty Pimblett, who suffers from Eric Silva disease. Remember Eric Silva, that dashing young prospect, 12 fights into the UFC already. He was still being called a prospect. He hit 30, still being called a prospect. Like, Patty's 28, man. I think at this point he's probably become who he's already going to be as a fighter. Yep. I, I don't think that his ceiling is much higher than where it's at now. And, I mean, if he loses to Tony Ferguson, to this version of Tony Ferguson, it's going to be sad for everybody because it's going to be like, well, dude, you lost to a guy who's old and shot. But then Tony's going to think, hey, man, daddy still got it. I can go for more. Oh, and he God. shouldn't. Yeah. He shouldn't. This man should have retired a few fights ago. This man should have retired after. And I keep saying it every time his name comes up. He should have retired after you had that fucking mental break. He shouldn't be doing this. Yeah. And I I just I it, it it's disgusting. But. I, you know, I, I, it's keeping him paid and, uh, God, I, I don't want to pick Pimblet, but he is the more put together of the two at this point. But since I stopped really caring too much about any of that, I'm going to go with Ferguson because sure. I mean, maybe, maybe he's still got the submission savvy and defense to, um, to out hustle Patty as, as a more, uh, more chain and like jujitsu based grappler that Patty is. Maybe he's got it there. I don't know. But I'm going to go with Ferguson. All right. Next up, we get... Um, I feel like this is going to be a route. Uh, Shavkat Rachmanov versus St uh, Stephen Thompson, the Wonder Boy, the Wonder Man. Um, Vic, go ahead and, and, and take us in. You know what? I I kind of I kind of think that Thompson might surprise us with something here because he does have the range and he does have a bit of he does have a, a bit of poison on some of those shots but right now the more reliable guy is Rachmanov so I'm going to go with Rachmanov alright yeah, he's, the, he's the more reliable guy because he's not 40 years old and he looks like an absolute beast in almost all of his UFC fights I mean the Jeff Neal fight was a legit <laughs> hard fight for him and he still choked out Neil in, in, in the last minute. He was going to win anyway, but he, he just poured on the style. He is a 100% finish record. He can stop you with his chokes. He can stop you with his striking. Mm -hmm. He can overwhelm you on the mats. He, he's just a, a very creative and, and powerful fighter on the feet. The longer this stays on the feet, obviously Wonderboy's got a chance because even though Wonderboy is past his prime, he still looked damn good against Kevin Holland. Yes. I mean, that that was, it, you know, he, he dominated when we get a rare corner stoppage in this sport. Uh, the, the Burns fights was 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 ugly and whatever, and the Bilal Muhammad fights, he, he just got worked over. But against Kevin Holland, we, we don't normally see Kevin Holland just get absolutely owned like that, almost from start to finish. It was an entertaining fight, but that was Wonder Boy with the sharp striking that we've come to know and love for years. But... He's going up against a guy who's powerful. It's not like Thompson has got some history of, of, of an iron chin. He, he's been a guy who's, who's been caught before. And then if Rachmanov chooses to take this to the mat, uh, I feel like Wonderboy is going to be a fish out of water. Yep. He, how's he going to get back up? If he, he's going to get put in bad spots, you can see Rachmanov potentially advance into a dominant position and setting up a choke. There are too many ways for Rachmanov to win. And uh, I think that's Rachmanov by the end of 2024 is going to be a UFC champion. I think he is that good. So I'm going to go with Rachmanov by uh, 
probably a second round TKO. I think he might even get a ground and pound stoppage in this one. Did, did you guys know there's two of them? Rachmanov, Rachmanov has a sister, and she fights. What? Yes. For, for which promotion? Uh, somewhere out in the mountains. I don't fucking know. But there's two. Bear, Bear Hunter FC or whatever the fuck they got over there. I don't know what the hell they got. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, yeah. I am also taking uh, Rachmanov. Two things I noticed in that Jeff Neal fight. Uh, he can take a punch, and he can take a punch both to the body and to the head. Um, and it looks like it doesn't even phase him, especially the body shots, because Jeff Neal hit him with some really hard body shots, and it barely phased him. And the other thing that I, I noticed is that he's extremely calm under pressure. He does not panic and get wild or anything like that, because, again, Jeff Neal managed to crack him pretty good, and he did not panic and get wild. So I like that. I feel that's also primary bundling for champions. You know, you you can you can have the good striking or the good grappling, but you need to have calmness in there when when pressure hits and he's got that and you also need to be durable and he's definitely got that too so i'm taking rachmanov and i'm 100 in agreement with mookie that you know this time next year we're probably looking at him with the strap so we get to the co-main event it is a rematch between Alessandra Pantoja and Brandon Royval. It is uh, definitely for Pantoja's belt. Ooh, this is a good fight. Mookie, start us off. This is my personal main event because the actual main event uh, is, is one of the few fights I'm not totally bothered uh, as far as excitement levels. This is a fight of the year contender. And that's keeping in mind Pantoja already has a fight of the year contender yeah, yeah. in his last fights against Brandon Moreno. It, these, these two Pantoja and Royval are just agents of chaos. Mm -hmm. They thrive when, when, when the fight just gets in, in, into a big scrambling mess. And for, for Royval, his fighting style kind of lends himself into getting into some vulnerable. He, he, he takes a lot of risks and that is part of why Pantoja was able to choke him out. Now, my question with Royval, Five-round fight. We know that Pantoja can go five rounds. Royva might be a different story. I suspect he's capable of going five rounds just with the, the way that he he competes. That Nateas Nikolaou fight was a real eye-opener to me because that, that knockout was just so abrupt. Yeah. So he, he's got a way to, to hurt you too. But Pantoja can take a shot. He is just an absolute masterful grappler. Uh, I think that Pantoja is, is basically just a little bit better than Royval such that if you matched these fighters together 10 times, I think Pantoja takes seven. Oh, I think okay. that Roy Bout just matches up well in terms of, of, of his style. But Pantoja is, a, a, to me, a cleaner striker, and he is a little bit more responsible on the mats than, than Roy Bout is. So I'm going to go with Pantoja by unanimous decision, where both men are in serious trouble, both men are perhaps hurt, maybe threatening submissions, but it's just going to be sit back, enjoy, because this is going to be one of the most exciting fights you're going to see all year. Victor. I have to agree with Mookie. I got to go with Pantoja, man. Royval, he's ready. Okay, he is He is an upper-level guy in that division. <clears throat> I, it, you, you can't really argue with the kind of control and the pace and, and the way that Pantoja is able to break down his opponents. I think he might actually have a very solid game plan, and he certainly has got the athletic tools to back everything up. So I'm going to go with Alessandro on this one. 
I am doing the same as soon as I saw this. I, I feel the same way. It's going to be a banger, but I feel like Pantoja is just a little bit better. So I got to go with Pantoja. Now we get to the main event. Colby Covington very undeservedly fighting for another title. <laughs> and I, I really root for him to lose this one because he'll be the first in history to challenge for an undisputed title three times and lose all three times. I am rooting for his destruction. So y'all already know who I'm picking. I'm picking Leon Edwards. Mookie, take it away. This could be the best year ever for the UFC if Colby Covington ends the ends 2023 and enters an election year as the UFC welterweight champion. We, we, I'm I'm still very aware. I'm not totally out of the MMA game. I'm very aware of the political aspect to, to how the UFC would absolutely use Colby Covington to boost a certain former president to get back in the White House. Um, but that aside, if this fight was made five years ago, I probably would have picked Covington. But Edwards has given me some pause with the way that he's fought Usman. The, the, the first fight, he got out-wrestled a bit, but he still he took Usman down. And even though he was on his way to losing that fight and, was, and he had the head kick knockout, the way he fought in the rematch to me was even more impressive because he completely shut down Usman's wrestling. And we, we know that Edwards has is, got good kicks, a solid jab. He's a real great all-around technical fighter, but his strength to me is underrated. And the way that he can win fights with his phys- with his with his physicality. So, with Covington, yes, we know he's going to look to wrestle. He is an enthusiastic striker. Doesn't mean he's a great one or even a good one, but he is not a fighter who dominates with top control. And even if Covington gets takedowns against Edwards, I trust that Edwards is going to be able to scramble back to his feet. And if Covington doesn't do any meaningful damage with his takedowns then advantage is going to be to Edwards. And for all the talk about Covington's cardio, I trust Edwards in a high-paced five-round fight more than I trust Covington at this point. It'd be a real pain in the ass if Covington cracks Leon the same way Nate Diaz did, um, and, and then Covington actually finishes the job, but I don't see it happening. I think that Edwards win this and it wins this, but let's also acknowledge Covington, dude's not been fighting. He hasn't been fighting. He didn't fight last year, unless you count Masvidal sucker punching him. Uh, <laughs> he fought, what, once in 2021, which is the actual Masvidal fight, right? And then, or, or was it 2021 he fought um, uh, fought Usman the second time, right? So, second time, Usman. So second time, Usman. Uh. And, and so that that's it. He, he has hardly been fighting the last few years. We've hardly been even hearing him the last few couple of years, which is a relief to me. But uh, I think that Edwards is has evolved to become a better fighter than Covington and he can shut Covington's game down and be the more effective offensive fighter. I think that Edwards is going to be able to keep this fight on the feet for the majority of the contest and outstrike Covington and win a decision. And at which point we should never, ever hear Colby Covington's name ever again. <laughs> I love you know, it. <laughs> Victor. I I've, I'm genuinely surprised that we're not seeing anything from Covington in terms of like, we haven't seen him doing that many interviews. We haven't seen him saying as much, doing as much being out there with, you know, paid models pretending that they are genuinely are drawn to him because of his machismo and sex appeal. No, we're not seeing a lot of the usual trappings from him. And I don't know if that means anything in terms of the actual fight. I just find that usually this sort of build and especially for a title fight, I would have expected him to be much more, vivacious, much more out there, much more visible and present. And we're not seeing that. Um, 
we're in fact seeing the opposite. It's a lot more pared down, and I don't know what that really means. But I noticed something, and I'm glad that some other people were noticing this on t- on Twitter as well. Uh, let's look at his last few fights, shall we? Let's look at his last few wins. Jorge Masvidal last year, right? Tyron Woodley in 2020, the ghost of Tyron Woodley at that point. Robbie Lawler in 2019. Now let's look at that for a minute. Jorge Masvidal, retired. Woodley, retired. Lawler, retired. The last guy he beat who's still currently fighting and actually doing well, Rafael Dos Anjos, 2018. Five fucking years ago. The only two fights that he's had there, other than those three that I mentioned, were his losses to Usman. And what happened in that first one? He got sparked in the first one, then he got outworked in the second. Now, what's going to happen here? Now, you can look at the MMA math and say, sure, Leon, you know, beat Usman and Usman beat Colby. So, okay, but let's take this a step further. Let's actually employ a bit of analytics here. Colby loves to use his volume striking in order to suffocate with pressure, and that will facilitate his wrestling. Good. Leon is really, really smart and really strong, and he knows what the game is with these guys. And it's not exactly that difficult to figure out because Covington is not the most varied fighter out there. So I don't think that there's any real doubt that Leon is going to be able to find coaching and training partners that will allow for him to to, to construct a game plan in which he's not only going to be wary of the volume striking, but shut that down and from there negate the takedown threat. And what happens if he gets taken down? I don't doubt that he can get take, brought back up. I don't doubt that he can get up and reverse or even take Covington down at some point. We've seen him do this to two high-level grapplers already, two very different kinds of grappler. One of them was Kamaru Usman. The other one was Gunnar Nelson. And if you don't believe me, go back and watch that fight, and maybe your jaw will hit the floor just like it did mine because that was the kind of shit. That was that was Captain America in Endgame grabbing Thor's hammer. That is not supposed to happen. You know what I mean? That's what that was. And if you look at that and you just think about the fact that Edwards has only gotten better, fighting better opposition, and is now at a point where I feel he's at his peak, what can Covington truly offer? He's not getting that much younger, and he's not really getting that much better. He's been doing the same thing, employing the same tactics, and beating guys that are old and shot, and you're putting him in there against this guy. I don't really think it's it's, it's a it's a favor in ways to Covington because of the financial aspect and the promotional bit. But outside of that, oosh, I don't know, man. I'm not really buying it. That's not, that's, I can't do that. No, I'm going to go with Edwards. And I swear, I really, really hope that he not only finishes Covington, but that he does so in the most violent manner possible. Yeah, I'm going to go with, um, with Leon Edwards, like I said. So that's going to wrap up our UFC 296 picks. It's the first time we've ever covered an entire card. We hope you've enjoyed that. If you are a paid subscriber, stick around because we're going to cover a few headlines in our bonus content section. If you're not, this is the time to remedy that because every time you guys subscribe, it helps us stay afloat. So thank you very much to all our subscribers and thank you to the ones that aren't, but still listen. We appreciate all of you. Now, without further ado... To access the bonus content of this show, you must be a paid subscriber. To do that, go to bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com and subscribe today.
Thank you for tuning in to this Bloody Elbow Podcast production. Subscribe at bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com. Give us your email and receive notifications when your favorite shows drop straight into your inbox. We're also found on a wide variety of podcast outlets. Just search for Bloody Elbow Podcast and you will get new shows throughout the week, including the MMA Bunker and MMA Tete-a-Tete shows with Kid Nate, the Level Change Podcast, the Hey Not the Face Podcast, the MMA Vivisection Main Card and Prelims UFC Preview Shows, the Sixth Round Post Fight Show, the Show Money Podcast, and the MMA Depressed Us.